During the first weekend of February 2019, Gateway City Arts hosted the fourth annual Winter Festival, a community-oriented event with a series of activities that included arts, performances, music, creative work, workshops, and a lecture. On the afternoon of Saturday, February 2nd, award-winning director and producer Megan Murphy offered a lecture to talk about the Breast Archives, an empowered project exploring the intersection of original body wisdom that was featured at the new co-working space of Gateway City Arts. This feature of Radio Plasma offers you the opportunity of listening Megan Murphy talking about the Breast Archives. Could your life be changed forever in an instant through the impact of just one idea? Once an idea has taken hold of the brain, it's almost impossible to eradicate it, especially if it presents itself in a fully formed way. In other words, it's understood fully and immediately as if it's been there in the brain all along. A single idea from the human mind It can convert abandoned warehouse space to vibrant art spaces. It can rebuild cities and rewrite all the rules. Professionally speaking, as a television producer for these past 25 years, I'm intimately familiar with the process of laying out, developing, and sharing ideas. And I understand the art, technology, and skill involved with that process. I'd like to tell you about a single idea that changed my life. In fact, the impact of this message shook me so deeply that I liquidated my savings, left my relationship, and resigned from an esteemed position I'd held for 12 years, and stepped onto a path that caused me to question everything I'd ever known or believed in. Believe me when I tell you that a life can change radically through the impact of a single idea especially when it's backed up and enforced by intuition. But first, I want to tell you a quick story. When I was 11 years old, everything changed. I was a kid who had everything going for me. I had friends, I was athletic, I was pretty. But then, seemingly overnight, these breasts came in and everything changed. In my case, my breasts didn't come in and remain medium-sized. They were bigger than my classmates, than my mothers and my sisters, and they just kept growing. If that had been the only thing at that time, I probably would have adjusted eventually. But I had very heavy periods. This was the pre-tampon phase of life. And alarming smells emanating now from my underarms, and pimples too numerous and enormous to even begin to describe. I felt overwhelmed. I was disoriented and self-conscious, and I felt betrayed by my body, my out-of-control body. I remember it now as a kind of a low-grade trauma that I was managing every day. I started to isolate. I started to hide my body. I began to hate my breasts. I started to overeat. I began smoking cigarettes, and new thoughts began to root. I am unattractive. I am a loser. I am hopeless, etc. I think if there had been a few intervening conversations during those years, it probably would have made a difference. But no one talked about the body. No one ever referenced it. 
And because no one asked me about my feelings with regards to my radically changing body, I thought that I was the only one going through these struggles and conflicts. And of course, I must be the only one because no one else was talking about it. Not a word. And that brings me to a question for you. What's a synonym for the word body? What comes to mind? Container? Corpse. <laughs> it's one of my favorites. <laughs> In fact, there are very few words with which to examine the sensations and feelings that we have in here. And without these tools, these words, it's very difficult to initiate conversations with one another or even begin an inner dialogue. It makes you wonder if your own experience of yourself is limited to the handful of words you happen to have had access to. Because without words, how else would you describe, explain, define, or even explore your own reality, your own truth, and your own intrinsic wisdom? I've come to believe that women's experiences of themselves have been uniquely undermined by this absence of words. I'll never forget learning that 90% of women were unhappy with or dissatisfied with their breasts and being so shocked. It was a UCLA study. I knew that I was part of this disgruntled population, but 90%, yikes. What I thought was a strictly personal hangup was apparently a large-scale problem. And what I've come to realize is that women are incredibly disconnected with their bodies. And it's a disconnection that I believe gets learned in adolescence. Because instead of being educated to attune to our inner clockwork, we learn brand loyalty. And instead of honoring and celebrating the beauty of our bodily systems, we have comparisons and judgment. And the interface with the body, I believe, is very superficial too. For example, we'll think of um, another person's bodily irregularities and her own menstrual blood or a woman suckling an infant as gross. These natural expressions somehow become unacceptable, even offensive in our society. Is it any wonder most women learn to detach from their inner experience and their sensual root? Is it any wonder we have a diminished capacity to monitor and solve our own health issues? This suppressed self-knowledge makes self-acceptance and genuine emotional maturity practically impossible. And what's more, we lose an awareness of our instinctive wisdom and a chance to learn to actively trust our intuition as a guiding source. That disconnection, that was my life. And then, a few years ago, I went to Egypt and everything changed in an instant. It was 2011 and the Arab Spring had transfixed the world. And just as Egypt's dictator was stepping down after a 40-year rule, I arrived in Cairo blinking nervously in the desert sun. The revolution had emptied the country of tourists, leaving me and just a handful of others to meander through ruins and temples that were inexplicably splendorous and colossal. And omnipresent and each and every one of these sites were the towering figures of Isis, Hathor, Nephthys, and Sekhmet, and that ancient family of mysterious people. 
Often the breasts of these goddesses were exposed, and their naturalness evoked a serene courage and a deeply loving power. Who were these women, I wondered? We arrived at one enormous temple before dawn. Filet, as it's called, is massive, timeless, and beautiful, and it was completely empty. As I wandered through the timeless corridors, I felt a deep reverence and stillness. And then, suddenly, there was a knowing that came through me, an idea that was quite specific and very clear. The message was simple, and it simply said, within the breasts, there is contained an ancient wisdom. I'm thinking, is this a gut feeling or a mystical download? What's going on? I wasn't sure, but something guiding was implanted in me. And now, in the blink of an eye, there was a firm and unshakable conviction that the breast contained a primordial intelligence, an ancient wisdom. It was an idea that rooted instantly like pure love. As I traveled back to the States, I began to wonder, where are the mythic female figures of our culture? Where are the breasts? I became completely fascinated and committed to interviewing women about their breasts and the possibility of a wisdom contained within. I wondered, was there something these cultures had known that we'd forgotten? Had something profound and important been taught out of us? In my job as a television producer, I've interviewed thousands of people on every imaginable topic, but this inquiry would be different. How are women's breasts an instrument or medium through time? And how is a woman's relationship with her breasts an expression of who she was? I began to search for candidates to interview and found nine women who agreed not only to answer my esoteric questions, but also to reveal their breasts on camera. I wanted the women for at least part of the interview to be topless. My objective was to invoke women's wisdom and to invite it out of hiding. It was therefore important that they have nothing to hide and that they also feel connected to their natural bodies and femininity. I wanted them to think about their breasts as extensions of their hearts and to see what came from that idea as well. But as I began crafting the questions, I worried, how will I induce this ancient knowing? And if it comes forward, how will I excavate that space? In the end, it was that courageous vulnerability and that act of sharing their breasts that most inspired the participants. It seemed to give them access to the deepest part of themselves. As I have considered this unique portal into women's lives, I have been deeply puzzled by the compromises we have made and the silences we have agreed to or even preferred to keep. We could sure use a towering ISIS around here. Until that day comes, I have a few recommendations for activating your breast and body-based antenna. The first thing is to affirm this space, this middle heaven. A breast grooming practice is also important, one that's deliberate and compassionate. Tend to them as you would your face or your hair and excavate their ancestry, their past, and their presence. This is our center. It's a point of oneness, and there's a particularly unique aspect of yourself that resides here. 
and open up, open up courageously. Your stories, especially the ones you share vulnerably, are your greatest treasure. Trust in this wealth. If the next generation of kids could sidestep the grief of being disconnected from their body-based feelings, that would be real social progress. The women from my film, The Breast Archives, are a useful model because they each described the ways they navigated through, up, and out of this socially constructed abyss that had been imposed upon them. And being in this inquiry was different and risky, as was the suggestion that they reveal their breasts to the camera, and yet their intuition guided them to a yes. And they were changed, just as I was in an instant. I believe we can all access the power of positive epiphany by tuning into the wisdom of our bodies. This idea changed my life. What idea could change yours? What idea could transform your world? Thank you. I have a Facebook page. Please sign up, the Breast Archives. Copies of the film are back there, and we do have a, a locally made breast balm that we've been making since we started making the film that we all are very well aware is a very important grooming practice regularly. Does anyone have any questions? <laughs> I probably covered it all. Thank you for the question. The film, the film was completed. The film had its premiere at the Northampton Academy of Music. The film got picked up by First Run uh, Features and it's being distributed around America. It was also picked up by Canopy, which is an educational distributor. So it's going out to American universities and colleges, but also to libraries, American libraries. I've had a number of um, very nice reviews of the film from assorted people around the country. It was only just released in November, so it's kind of just kind of coming out. It's probably, you know, it, I think it's gonna be a while before People discover it. It's in a fine, fine catalog. Um, I'm trying to um, do some more active sales and marketing. You know, with Esther's help, that's what we're we're working on now, pretty actively. It was released to iTunes and to Amazon in November, so it is available as a download um, in that way. And then I sell the DVD on my website, thebreastarchives.org where I also sell my breast balm and t-shirts. Any other questions? Thank you so much. What an odyssey it's been. I, I, I knew I was onto something unique and special. And I felt that the women had trusted me and so I needed to see it through, you know? But when they opened their hearts, once they took their tops off in the interviews, and I've done a lot of interviews, so I knew there was something special going on. They really, um, there was all this content that you just don't see in the mainstream. 
you know, the body-based experience of self, we don't really get that context in the mainstream. You're either pregnant or you're not. You're either having your period or you're not. None of that gray area, the nuances that really are part and parcel with our experience of ourselves as women are a part of the vernacular. And I tried to make the point with the absence of the words. I mean, for Pete's sake, you know, of course we have student body, body of work, everybody, nobody, body is everywhere. And so if a woman is talking about herself and using the word body, people aren't listening attentively in this in the way that that kind of communication warrants or merits especially if you're a teenage girl trying to figure out what the hell's going on <laughs> so i'm i'm actually really hoping that the 13 year olds see the film and i had a very positive um uh focus group up in Brattleboro less than a year ago and there were 30 girls that came and with their moms and it and I proved my point that the film is a conversation starter in an important way so I'm really hoping that they find the film but of course the decision makers the moms and stuff have to find it first and people are afraid of the breasts I've learned a lot about this culture People are afraid of it. The breasts are an abyss, a terrible abyss, a wonderful abyss, uh, and a very peculiar zone. Very interesting. I love it. I think it's been great. Anthropologically speaking, it's an anthropologist's, you know, dream. Of course, I'm just a lowly, you know, television producer who stumbled upon this whole thing. But, you know, when you travel to a place like Egypt, I guess something like that might happen, especially if the country's been emptied, you know. Why did I do it? Well, that's actually an interesting story because I wouldn't have gone, but I found this woman's art online. I saw this art, I clicked on it, and I ordered it from her, just these small pieces, and we kept in touch, and she told me that she dreamed the art, and I was like, really? And then she seemed to have this knowing. She was a Canadian, a widower down in Florida, and we struck up a friendship. And then I ordered some more art, as a gift, I did the priestess path. I've done the mystery school here locally. So that also has been an influence. I knew about women's suppressed stories from having done that work. Whoa, I was like, these women are mad and they don't have a place to share their, their knowledge of herbs, their knowledge of sacred sexuality. I mean, that whole mystery school experience was also very influential to me. And I went to Egypt at the same time I was doing that. But I, I saw this art, I clicked on it, and then she sent me the itinerary. And something about the description of all the different temples, I couldn't let it go. And I studied Egypt, I remember studying Egypt, and we learned about the Valley of the Kings, you learn about the Sphinx, the pyramids, they tell you the pyramids are tombs, and you learn a couple of cursory items. You don't know anything about the temples. And there are archetypes associated with each of the temples. And I'm actually very interested in doing an exhibit. I have amazing photographs. You got a tiny taste of them here. But I really have really nice, clean photos. And by the way, I'm a photographer. So I was there shooting video, taking pictures, having spiritual experiences, etc. So this, now that the film is done, in a way, I'm now turning back to Egypt. And I'm trying to figure out how to share the other things that happened to me there besides the breast archives, which took me five years to complete, by the way. I thought it would take me one year. It took five. It was harrowing. <laughs> yes? Have you done any work on the impact of 
Well, I know a lot more about breast cancer, certainly, than I did before, and I haven't had a mastectomy in years. Um, the impact of, of mastectomy, I mean, it's, it's, it's huge. Women don't know where to turn for uh, support, for psychic support, for emotional feminine support. Now there's this void that's here, and the, since they didn't get a chance to connect with their breasts to begin with, it's a double whammy for them. It's a very dark place for survivors who've been through bilateral, especially, because now they can't go back. But I try to, you know, you know, you nursed your children with those breasts, you had your first intimacies with those breasts, and that's what the Breast Archives is all about. It's 11 chapters, it touches on everything, bras, first intimacies, sexuality, reclaiming, I'm not going in order, but, but I think this is an important place, even if your breasts are now gone, and it take, I think women need more support to circle back. I've done a lot of research into it. I have a podcast about mammogram versus thermography um, on my website, and it's had like a thousand views. Um, we've done a lot of research, and I'm very proud of the podcast that I've produced. What's it like, um, Negan, being in Egypt in, in the temples pretty much by yourself, without like tourist groups? And I just imagine that must have been very special. Well, we're not taught to look for vortexes or discern a certain tone, maybe. And so, and I had done the priestess path, and I was like, wait, we have to stop here. We have to light a candle. We have to do something. But, um, but those are vortexes. And because there were no tourists around, I think they were more deeply activated. And I think I got lucky. I walked into something, and I, I just got a, a kind of a download that, sort of gently came through me. But they were indescribably beautiful. The scale, the, the magnificence. I mean, you come away knowing that these aren't 2,000 years old. These are much older. And why aren't we talking about the, the, who were these people? <laughs> Where did they go? And there was, I just came back home with so many questions. So I've been on this sort of quest, and I know I'm going back to Egypt. I'm absolutely convinced and certain of that, and maybe some of you will come with me. So, thank you. Thank you. Yeah. It was a special opportunity for me to write this and to remember. Yeah. Well, I think it's you know, first in this place. Yay. Yeah. And you know that pretty much our whole lives, our mother's lives, who knows how many generations back, our bodies have been defined <coughs> by men through a men's perspective. And that a woman's perspective about her own body really has not been handed down mother to daughter. No. For, I mean, my mother didn't talk about anything with me, and we're like modern people. You know, I didn't right. do a great job talking to my daughter because I didn't have that modeling. So I think it's really important, you know, what you're saying about, and, and I'm a yogi, I'm a yogi teacher, so I, my work is very much embodied. 
and yet, you know, there is this, this huge gap in our history and, you know, how even women come together about what women talk about and, and that sort of gap of owning the power of our own bodies and, and that the was richness that's embedded in the body. There was something that I took out of the speech um, that we're still working on. We call it the Gal Pal Kit. Mm -hmm. And it, it enables women, good friends, sisters, to come together and share their breast stories and show their breasts to one another. And I think there's a real dearth of sisterhood in our culture. And I think the body is some kind of barrier or a part of that separation because being attractive, you know, that's the objective, and it complicates. Um, it's a, it's a, it's a huge topic, obviously, but I would love to see that kind of courage. Um, women coming together, showing their breasts, opening up. I mean, you and I experimented with that, and it, it's very bonding. It's, it's hilarious. It's fun, and it's for many extremely cathartic and therapeutic. And you find that once you do it, what's the big deal? But it takes Herculean effort to just cross that line. But when the, one of the big insights that I had while I interviewed the women was that how isolated we've all been really through our adolescence, the profound isolation that we felt, the separateness that we felt from one another, but the irony is that it's a collective experience that we're all having. It's the same exact sensations, the same exact fears, the same exact narratives. So it's a collective experience and yet we're ironically so isolated. So it's just a, a dumb kind of um, sort of period of time that I hope we can reclaim. So. And what I found when I, I just closed by saying that as the women were telling their stories, I was saying to myself, their stories are my stories. My stories are their stories. No matter how harrowing or traumatic, and you know, an awful lot of women have been molested. Mm -hmm. You know, you go into a group of women and it's 50% a lot of the time. Oh, I'm more, I'm not. I'm more one out of three. Yeah. So one of three means there are survivors in this room. That's right. And it's the quiet, no one, no one is, addressing I mean it's like we we somehow there is a wall and I think our bodies are a bridge um, well that's where our power is contained right and so our culture and our society and the way the systems have been set up for centuries not for a yeah. little bit of time yeah. have served to keep men in power to put men in power to shame women about their power about their bodies and so therefore we we're second-class citizens in the world still to today. So we are absolutely are. And we that's are. the reality. But in the U.S., because we have a certain level of freedom, we really take it. I believe women take it for granted and think that things are, you know, somewhat okay. And in fact, they're, they're horrific. They're, no. The, the planet. We're, we're we're not equal citizens anywhere on the planet. I started looking into it, the, a history of the suppression and the p history of the patriarchy, and I went down a rabbit hole that I, I'm, I'm still in shock by what I learned. But I'll tell you, in America, the breast is in a vacuum like no other culture. I've been to Canada. They're like much more liberal about the breast. The UK is much more liberal. Australia, Australia's out in the front. They're like, you know, come on, people. 
Um, but the America is in a very um, airtight vacuum around the breast. And I bumped. Pardon? Well, I know that now the 52 states allow you to breastfeed in public. Now that just happened. But, and, and more and more states are allowing women to be on the beaches, you know, and women have paid a price by taking a stand and you know, it's incremental, you know. But it's, yeah, there's a lot to say about it. Sometimes I wonder if certain organizations are funded by people who don't want that and then you get this um, extremism in the way the naked breast is portrayed. like. I have nothing against free the nipple. I think their work is very important. But why is it like the breasts of the free the nipple campaign are like the breasts that you see in Beverly Hills kind of breasts? It's like, you know, there's always this kind of one step forward, one step back, or maybe two step forwards, but there's a step back. <laughs> there's always a step back involved. So anyway, it's a huge conversation. I love it. Please look at my stuff, thebreastarchives.org. Um, Amazon, iTunes, if you want to see the film or just if you're interested in purchasing the film, it's here in the back. Um, yes, Lori. Um, could you share some of the feedback you received from men about this? Well, men are the sleeping lovers of my film. I have one million views on YouTube where I just have excerpts. And 600,000 of those views are from a mother's breast alone. That's one of the chapters in my film. And the women are topless and they're talking about nursing their children and they're very frank. And that's very refreshing for men. Men are victims too of the narrow prism through which we've been forced to see breasts. Um, and men find the breast archives and sense the genuineness of it and latch on and subscribe. And I've had all sorts of correspondences with men. Um, Men also have something terrible happen to them in adolescence, too. They get disconnected. The way we get disconnected from our bodies, they get disconnected from their feelings. And it happens at the same time. That ends up being a double whammy for girls, but that's another discussion. Um, but the men, I have developed a deep compassion and interest in the man's role and his potential influence in this conversation expanding um, and, and deepening. Seriously. That's awesome. Thanks. Yeah. Well, <laughs> <laughs> must be done. <laughs>